and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected portfolio manager and senior vice president at Canaccord Genuity, who has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies, and health matters, and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. On today's Ready, Set, Retire, we'll be discussing financial planning and tax strategies with our special guest, Cindy David, financial planner and estate planning advisor. For more than three decades, Cindy has proven herself to be a well-respected professional and is sought after for her expert advice. Whether it's selling a business, planning for retirement, providing early gifting of inheritance for children, or simply minimizing tax on retirement income, Cindy has the experience and knowledge to advise clients properly before they make any big moves that could affect their finances. She has served on many boards and also recently advocated in front of the House of Commons for small business owners in order to make it easier for them to sell their business to family members. Cindy and her team provide tax-effective solutions and expertise and tailor customized financial plans so that every client is looked at individually, taking their unique circumstances into account. And Cindy, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Of course. Often on Ready, Set, Retire, we talk about a financial plan and how it can really help answer the question, do I have enough to retire? But a financial plan is uh, so much more useful in in so many other ways. And, And so I'd like to start with this question, Cindy, is who would really benefit from a financial plan? Well, you might think that my bias as a financial planner would be to say everyone. And of course, that's not true. In order to benefit from a financial plan, it's crucial to have finances and goals, actually. So a plan is meant to help you get from point A to point B. So there are lots of talking points, but if you're unemployed and have no ability to save money, that greatly limits the conversation. And the benefits of having a financial plan, even if you feel certain you have enough to retire, I think we come across this quite often. People know they have enough to retire. And I would say, yes, but the financial plan is not just about saying, okay, yeah, you've got this amount of money, you, you can take this amount of income. It's so much more than that. It's it's a lot of tax planning. I think when we're sitting in those financial planning meetings, 70% of the time you're talking about taxes. And I think that is what really, really helps people long-term. Yeah, that's true. But there are so many things. The list is enormous. So we're going to spend some time on this question. First, getting organized is such a huge factor. I find when I first start working with clients, depending on the complexity of the situation, it can take up to a year to gather all the information and categorize that information in a way that you can digest it and take the takeaways and allow us to get advice. So a lot of business owners are just so busy in their lives, running their companies, managing family that they don't really have a lot of time to get organized. So financial planning is really a commitment. It's like going to the dentist. It's a commitment to do your homework. And, you know, you've seen this over and over, Lori, where we try not to scare clients with a huge homework list up front, 
but it, it really is about gathering that information and making sure it's all in one spot. So getting organized is the huge first step. And once we do that once and do regular reviews, uh, it's kind of like a good manicure. It doesn't take that much once you've done the heavy lifting. The second thing, as you mentioned, is tax efficiency. So spending from the right buckets, I always say. Annual cash flow planning for retirees and even very high net worth people can take advantage of a lot of things that are built into the Income Tax Act to save tax. Peace of mind, uh, sleep at night factor that you mentioned earlier, knowing that you're not missing out on any opportunities. There is FOMO. And if you're feeling like you're not getting all of the advice that you should be, you probably do have an opportunity to sit down with an expert. And that's why the teamwork that you mentioned earlier is so important. You know, having advisors working together, you already touched on that. I would say also improved family communication. We often create family councils for our business owner clients and just put in place strategies to help facilitate the conversation so that the second generation and the third generation are well-educated and prepared for that transition of wealth. So education, even sitting down with generation two or generation three to make sure that they're ready. I think you've noticed too, Lori, as we've gone on in years, that we're starting to spend more and more time with our clients' children who are adult children having their own children. That's a really important conversation. And I would say last, lots of people know about how to make money and grow their net worth, but not everybody is an expert at financial planning. And I would like to say that having an accountant and a lawyer isn't enough. You know, it's, it really is a team approach and making sure your accountant, your lawyer, your financial planner and possibly insurance expert and your investment advisor are all working together synergistically. And I would just comment as well that I think for business owners selling their business, that does take a lot of time. I've seen Cindy in action advising throughout that, working with accountants and so on when people are leading up to retirement. But I would say for uh, less complex retirement plans and so on, it's more a month to two months to really put the, a proper plan together because Cindy's really getting detailed. She's getting right into your family trying to figure it out. And that does take a little bit of time, but not as long as it takes for business owners. Let's put it that way. Being patient and understanding everyone's unique circumstances is really, really what helps when providing the right advice for people. And Cindy, when is the best time to start a financial plan? Do you judge it by how much income you have, how much you have in the bank, a calendar year, what's the best time to start? Yeah, I'd say if you're thinking about it, then it's probably the right time. When you want to measure your ability to accomplish a goal that is well into the future and test the results of reaching that goal. For example, if I save X amount of dollars per year, how much will I able, be able to spend in retirement? Or I'm thinking about selling my business, how much is it worth versus how much do I need? If you're wondering about when to retire, which pension option to take, or if you've already retired and you don't know which bucket to spend from, these are all great talking points. And how often should one be reviewing their plan? I think annual is sometimes too much, but I think you would agree that when life changes, and what would some of those examples of changes be? significant changes. Yep. And over 30 years, I have gone through different client situations and things do change. I've seen family situations change so drastically over a five-year period that they don't even look the same. And you don't want to wait that long. You want to be testing the pulse every once in a while in between that. But once you're in retirement and the dust has settled, every two to three years is often enough, except within a couple of years of retirement, I find that annual reviews 
are required. There's there's a lot more decision making. It can be really stressful. And so spending more time talking about it can relieve that stress before we get back into that every two to three year groove. And then, as you said, there's the exception. An inheritance rolls in or it, it comes time where your children want to buy their homes and you want them out of yours. So you know, helping them with that down payment becomes important. So measuring gifts and making sure we're not giving away too much too soon and hurting our own financial health. Those are all things that financial plans can help you measure and just really provide certainty around. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but investors rarely think about their accountant or investment advisor, financial planner sort of communicating with each other until a situation comes up where they wish they had. Why is it important that all of those folks all work together on your behalf? You know, this has been something that I've seen really dramatically shift over the three decades that I've been doing this. I find that teams are working more effectively together across professions. And let me tell you what happens when we do. If I'm working with an accountant that I do a lot of work with, we'll get together for breakfast, a coffee, lunch, or drinks, and we end up talking about all of our clients. And within the context of those conversations, things come up. And this isn't the client prompting us for a review or for to ask a question. This isn't us being reminded to call them for their once a year, a year or once every two year financial plan. These are these moments when your advisors are talking to each other and the juices are flowing. Uh, you know, that works for clients. Good things happen. And I can tell you that more and more over time, I find I, I do spend my time working within teams that we all know each other. And it's probably just the fact that we're growing old together, but it really makes a difference. So I would say if you're not experiencing that with your advisors, encourage encourage some networking within that group and demand it. You have a right to make sure that you're getting sort of best in class advice. And that's one of the ways that you start. I totally agree with that. Some examples would be, you know, if we're talking about, as Cindy, you mentioned, you know, what buckets should you be taking income out for retirement or should you be taking out more out of your registered accounts? And I'm often talking to Cindy as well, bringing in the accountant. We're having three-way calls discussing this. Charitable donations for the year as well would be another example. So I definitely think there is a benefit to clients, just as Cindy does, that everybody is kind of speaking to one another on a client's behalf. Because sometimes, and Cindy, you'll probably agree, it gets lost in translation. If we all talk to the client, the client tries to relay the message back to us about what the accountant said, what investment advisor said, that sort of thing. So we all want to get together on the client's behalf to really figure out their financial future. Yeah, our clients should be enjoying retirement, not trying to become experts at what we do. Exactly. And that brings me to the next question. So the biggest concern for retirees that you see from your perspective right now, I know I can always provide my comments, but I talk a lot. People hear me talk all the time. So you're here today. I want to hear from you. What do you think is the biggest concern for retirees? And and then with that, also business owners. From my perspective, I would say it's missing out. And we've touched on this uh, a bit earlier, but I'll expand on that. Sometimes what we do happens slowly over time. Our recommendations aren't just one-time stop and go type of things or issues. So, for example, does it make sense to take more out of your RIF than the RIF minimum? And why? Simply being mindful of lower tax brackets in retirement due to income splitting opportunities with couples and or holding companies and or trusts. Results are often that our clients have the ability to withdraw funds while in lower tax brackets 
even if money is not needed for spending, but we can use the, the surplus funds to maximize the FSA contributions or planned annual gifts to children or charity versus leaving funds in RIFs and paying 53.5% in the estate at death, which is our new highest tax bracket that affects anybody with a combined RIF balance, so husband and wife, over 222000 your estate is going to hit that 53.5% tax bracket. And that's a shock to most people. When you do this kind of cash flow planning, it can reduce the need for life insurance and therefore life insurance premiums that nobody likes to pay to pay for those higher estate taxes. So keep in mind, there are moving parts to this. This is like looking under the hood of your car. If you're not a mechanic, you don't want to start pulling out parts and hoping that you're not affecting how your, your car is going to work. So you want to be careful of things like old age security clawback. It's important to everybody. I have not met a client yet who doesn't want free money. So when you start playing around with marginal tax brackets to create tax efficient income, take off the blinders and be aware of how it can affect everything else in your total financial situation. Tying back into why is a financial plan important, it's because it's the whole picture, not just one piece. I just literally had that conversation today with a client having a million dollars in registered money, but the accountant was worried about OAS clawback. And I'm going, OAS clawback is the amount of OAS she gets annually is 7,200. But if you think if something happened to her the next year or a few years, let's say, more than half of that could be going to the government. So I was saying accounts like to look at the annual tax return, but we need to plan for you for the next 10 to 20 years. And so don't get just so focused on that free money from the government because there might be a greater good paying a little bit more tax year by year. Well, and I know you asked me, Lori, not to get too technical, but since you brought it up and you know I'm spreadsheet girl, I do have a spreadsheet on this because it, it was important to me to measure whether or not it's worth it to pay lower taxes should you withdraw money from your RRSP at 31% and give up some of that old age security. And there is a magic number. It's not, yeah, give up all your old age security, but you can actually give up the first portion because the old age security clawback happens in tranches. So if you give up the first part of your old age security, you're actually in the money. You're making money by giving up the old age clawback and pulling money out of your RSPs at 31% versus leaving it there and paying 53.5% in your estate. So let me do all of that boring technical stuff because I love it. And if you want to see the spreadsheet, I can show you. But, it, you know, these things work. <laughs> and I love that you love it. I love that you love it. Bring it out your spreadsheets for everybody. Well, I'll watch the markets yeah. uh, daily and, and all that crash and burn news that comes out. I live for it and I, and, and I can't wait to deal with it when it comes. But for for the spreadsheets and this kind of stuff, I, I love that I have you. I can't say that enough. Ditto. Right back at you, kiddo. <laughs> Cindy, when someone comes into your office, an individual comes in and seeks your advice, when you look at uh, their past performance decisions they've made when it comes to taxes, what are the most common mistakes you see? That's a great question. Um, I would say missing deadlines and not leaving enough time for discussion. If you have significant assets in a non-registered portfolio, whether they're personally or corporately owned, you can reduce your overall tax bill on growth. Absolutely. Although a lot of really great tax savings or loopholes, as our current prime minister likes to, to say about them, have been taken away by, by this government, there are still planning opportunities available. And that makes it even more important to make sure that you're utilizing the ones that are left. 
So remember that we have a right to plan our financial affairs in the most tax efficient way possible. And when we do that, we're not taking advantage of loopholes. We're just taking advantage of legislation that's written into the Income Tax Act. And so when you're working with an expert who knows that, that's where you're getting the really good advice. So to be specific, the tools that we have available, I'm not going to get into detail about describing them. I'm just going to name them. We have income splitting. We've mentioned that. We've got spousal loans. Um, and that's good for people who don't have corporations, it can be used by anybody. Uses of trusts, we've got capital loss selling that Lori does a great job of every year. Sometimes years are too good and there's not a lot of loss selling, but being mindful of that at year end is important. We've got insurance products that can increase your portfolio returns because of the ability to tax shelter a lot more money than TFSAs and RRSPs. And from a planning perspective, it's really about cash flow and parking spots. So first, we want to take care of you. It's always you first. Make sure that cash flow and retirement spending is there for you. And then the conversation about where you want to park your money until such time as you might need it. When people have significant assets, and some people would ask, what is that number? It's hard to answer until a financial planner would look at your overall net worth and see where your buckets are. What Cindy is good at is taking a look at that and going, okay, well, how can we kind of shelter some of that money? Sometimes insurance is used to do that. And again, it does take a whole nother session or two or three to really, you know, talk about that and explain that. Uh, but there are ways to minimize tax now and in the future for a lot of people that they may or may not be aware of. So Cindy, you know, again, some of those options to take some of that money out of those leaky buckets, as we call it, where you're paying tax on growth every year to a place where you're not paying tax every year. Is there a way that you could explain some of those strategies in a simplified way, if possible? I will try. Which bucket you spend from is as important as tax in financial planning. So what we refer to in financial planning as the order of spending, it kicks in at retirement and every year after that, which assets should feed you first and which ones are meant for the long term and require a hibernation strategy. So remember that hibernation is a long sleep. We're not shooting the bear. So be careful about permanent irreversible decisions like gifts to children or charities that are too large and too soon. You know, they all go hand in hand and that's what your financial plan is going to help you with. And another thing that many soon-to-be retirees worry about is drawing income during retirement. So uh, elaborate, does it matter where you take your income from during retirement? And I don't know whether buckets is a technical term or not, but but should you have a strategy to determine which buckets you're going to empty first? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, this is in included actually in even basic financial planning software. So if you go to your local bank financial planner and get a financial plan, that software is going to make some recommendations about which bucket to spend from first. And I would say buyer beware. What a software says isn't necessarily what you should be doing. So it's really, really crucial to sit down and have that conversation about what all of your sources of income are. So you start with what are the fixed income sources that I can't change? That lands you in a certain marginal tax bracket. And then we get to build on top of that. So Cindy's happy place is creating income, even if you don't need it for spending, up until that about 32% marginal tax bracket. 
Anything above that, the, there's a big jump in our marginal brackets from 32% to 38%. So that's when Cindy gets unhappy. At 38% or higher, you're really pushing that old-age security clawback button that people don't like. So they'll tolerate me telling me them to give up a little bit, but not too much. And, and that's when you get to that 38%, I'd say leave your money in a tax shelter. There's a benefit to leaving money in there because it is tax sheltered and you have growth on top of your growth every year. These are all things that you want to balance. It really is a balancing act. I, I can't say that enough. And everybody's situation is different. Show me two people that have the same pension income. Show me two people that have the exact same amount of money in taxable investments, the leaky buckets, or you have executives with massive pensions or individual pension plans, more than, like Lori said earlier, more than a million dollars. How do you get that out tax efficiently? You know, what's the plan here? And there truly are things to do. There's things to talk about. So I look forward to meeting that client, Lori. Yes, exactly. And and I've seen this discussion so many times. And that's why a financial plan, you just can't blanket the answer because everyone's unique and, and different. And, and you definitely want to keep Cindy in her happy place for sure. <laughs> and so some tax efficient ways to draw income from your business. And, and the reason Cindy talks a lot about business owners, I mean, there's different types of people and how they save for retirement. Again, there's some people who have big pensions who have saved that way. Some people have saved on their own through their RSP and then others are business owners and they may have not saved outside of their business for some time. And then when they go to sell it, then there's a large sum of money. And, and so a lot of business owners often walk into our office and they're trying to figure out how to do this, how to do this efficiently. And that's why Cindy often talks about that as well. So Cindy, is there one or two tidbits of advice you could give to business owners about uh, drawing income? You know, this is the bad news bear part of the segment. There's really only one way to withdraw funds from a corporation for personal use during one's lifetime, and that is to pull it out and trigger a dividend. There are, however, strategies that we often put in place to improve the size of the asset within the corporation, and we can sometimes sort of reverse engineer loans to create income that are, you know, interest is sometimes cheaper than taxes, if that makes sense. So there are strategies that are available. A lot of people want to abide by the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid, or keep it simple and stupid. It all works, but there is some good juice in there. If you're willing to roll up your sleeves a bit, and if you want to maximize tax savings, we can get into some more complicated strategies that do that. A really easy one right now that we still have access to is the use of a critical illness plan and joint ownership with the corporation. You know, there's there's lots of interesting things out there and I don't want to give away, you know, my baby with the bathwater because I know some of our competitors are listening, but the answer is yes. Lots of good stuff that we talk to our clients about with regard to that. There's also a couple of tax planning strategies that you can use if you're married that benefit you and your spouse such as income splitting, which you touched on. Maybe talk a little bit more about income splitting and how that can be effective for your spouse, for yourself, for your overall wealth. We, as you know, spend a lot of time talking with almost every client about this. So things that you want to be aware of are that if you have a spouse, we've got two marginal tax brackets to work with. If ever I have somebody sitting in my office bragging about a zero tax return, I'm going to roll up my newspaper and swat them over the head because that is a huge missed opportunity. When we have this you know, juicy low bracket system that doesn't really ratchet up until 
over $40,000 of income. So if you are a zero tax bracket person in retirement, please come talk to us because we should be taking advantage of those low rates. You want to be careful about how you create that income because not all income qualifies for income splitting under the Income Tax Act. So you don't want to get caught where you, you've created a taxable event and you can't split it at the end of the day. Pretty easy stuff here, but an RSP must be first converted to a RIF before you make that withdrawal. If you withdraw from an RSP, you can't split it with your spouse. So any pension income, you know, that pension income credit, we also we always want to trigger if we can. We've talked about it already, but the spousal loans, let me just give you a little bit of color around this. If you have in a husband-wife situation or a couple situation, one person has an inheritance or has earned a lot of money and they are the owner of an asset, it means that they have to pay all of the tax on the growth. And if you're working, it's even worse because that growth gets added to your income and pushes you up into even higher tax brackets. So what this strategy does is it says, let's look at carving out a piece of that pie and lending it. So now I'm the bank, I'm taking my assets, I'm lending it to the spouse. The government says you don't have to charge a market rate. You only have to charge what's called the prescribed rate, which is only 1%. They increased it for to 2% for a couple of years, but they went back to 1%. Even at 2%, it was a smoking deal and people still implemented it. So this opportunity to plan for the pieces of your pie so that cash flow is more efficient, that's, that's good stuff. Cindy, you're not just licensed as a certified financial planner, but you're also a chartered life underwriter. So why is it that financial planning and insurance can go hand in hand? So two things on that. The Chartered Life Underwriter designation sounds like a life insurance designation, but it's really not. It's full of business planning. So I really call that designation my uh, university education on business planning. And the two go hand in hand because, quite frankly, when you own a business, the section of the Income Tax Act is almost triple the size of the section of the Income Tax Act that affects individuals who don't own businesses. So it's much more complicated, therefore much more fun for me. And you have to, you know, I said earlier, be mindful of the big picture and all of the opportunities. I would say that quite often people end up working with advisors who are punching above their weight class. And so I would say be demanding of your advisors. That's our job is to be the best that we can be for you. So make sure that they have those designations, that they have the education and you know, you want to, you want to make sure that you're with the elite um, so that you can have elite results in your affairs. So what common situations do you see where people need insurance and can insurance keep you from paying more taxes? Absolutely. Insurance is one of those unique things in the Income Tax Act that they haven't taken away, for which I'm very grateful because I happen to be an expert in it. There's a lot of tools that the insurance companies have access to with regard to creating products for our clients to invest in um, or choose as a part of their financial plan. And I find that some people have a bias, a, a natural bias. Some people have a, an unconscious bias against it. But once they figure out how we can make those products work for them, brass taxes, this is how much more money you'll have as a result of choosing this product or investment through an insurance vehicle over a, you know, a straight investment account. A lot of people tend to choose it, I find. And when they first hear insurance, I mean, people always want to run the other way. But when you really sit down and you look at is the cost of insurance less 
and much, much less in a, in a lot of uh, examples than the amount I'm going to pay in tax, then it can definitely make sense for a lot of people. It's just about really running through the financial plan and whether it makes sense for them. It's not for everybody. And it's, again, on a kind of case-by-case basis, uh, whether using insurance as a tool to save tax makes sense for that particular individual or family. And so, Cindy, also because you used to be going to Ottawa when we could fly, or fly safely, I guess, and talking about tax all the time, you have a lot of insight that I look to even just in terms of the future in Canada here. And I likely won't get started about the government or politics or any of that kind of stuff because we'll have to run into a, a two or three part segment or series here with Cindy. <laughs> so don't get me started. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> there would be way too much editing involved in that. I think <laughs> stuff I'd stuff I'd have to cut out. So. <laughs> Yeah, actually, the two of you together, that would be something spectacular (laughs) to watch. But I guess I would like to ask if any changes you see coming up here in 2022 in terms of tax changes for individuals, for corporations, as we know, there's been a ton of stimulus. They need to raise tax probably somewhere in order to pay their bills. And so what are your comments on that? Uh, That's a great question and a great way to close the segment. I, in fact, was just in Ottawa in December before things got really dicey. And we were able to have the president and CEO of the Business Coalition speak to us at our Monday dinner. And it was so invaluable. My head was spinning, to be honest. It got me really excited about the future because his primary message was about how worried he is about the tax landscape and what could come down the pike. So I can't really say too much about that because I have my own follow-up to do on that, but that's one of the reasons that I do go to Ottawa to have my finger on the pulse and work with organizations like the Business Coalition and new coalitions that are being put together by Lisa Raitt, retired conservative minister, called a Coalition for a Better Future. You know, those conversations are really mind-blowing for me. They're the new types of conversations that are happening about the changing world, the changing economic landscape, but also how people are changing within it and the issues that we're facing beyond just brass taxes and dollars and cents. There's a lot more to it. And I think the conversation that we'll be having as advisors with our clients is going to change as a result. It can be daunting, but not if you're prepared. And that's why it gives me excitement because I look forward to the future because we do have things to plan for. It's comforting to know that somebody's actually thinking about it and talking about it back there. And hopefully some of those ideas will actually come to fruition. Absolutely. Financial planning should be an ongoing, dynamic process so that you don't overlook opportunities to minimize tax. Whether you're able to take advantage of the tax planning strategies that we've discussed today or you pursue other tax planning strategies, planning ahead is the key to success. Yeah, I definitely can't agree with you more, John. We talk about planning ahead a lot, whether it's on CKNW or whether it's on Ready, Set, Retire here in the quality of advice that you're getting from your portfolio manager, investment advisor, working with good financial planners, accountants, and lawyers is also important. And I really do believe that having a good financial planner on my team, for example, that I work with, like Cindy, just adds so much value. There's a lot of advisors out there that are just giving pure advice on the stocks and bonds that they're buying. And frankly, that just isn't enough anymore. And as Cindy was saying, she's been doing this for three decades and I've been doing this for over 20 years. People 
need more. They sh- they deserve more in planning their financial future, their retirement, selling of their business, gifting to kids, whatever it may be. Like our clients know that they can come to us and ask us. They can lean on us for advice on so many different areas. It's not just about the portfolios, but of course, we're managing that day to day. And that's what we do. But there's so much else that's involved with really helping people as they get close to retirement or as they retire. And uh, Cindy, I want to thank you again for joining us today. Thanks, John. And Cindy, your insight is always so valuable. And I appreciate uh, you coming on the show again. I'm lucky to have you. And thanks for coming on again. Wasn't it fun? We had a good time. Thanks so much for having me. And before we go, we always like to wrap up Ready, Set, Retire with a quote, something for you to think about. And uh, Lori, what do you have for us? Planning is bringing the future into the present so that you can do something about it now. Perfect. And Cindy, before you go, you wanted to share a story with us. Yeah, it's something that I experienced this week that I found really impactful through a diversity training session, actually. It's called The Danger of a Single Story. It's a TED Talk by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. And it's just really inspiring. You know, TED Talks don't take very long to listen to. They're shorter than 20 minutes. But it really reminded me of our bias, the things that we, you know, approach situations with. And being aware that everybody, there's more than one story about any situation or any person. And I I took that as inspiration to approach our clients and, you know, work and family with, with that uh, mindset. I've seen that TED Talks. It's, yeah, it is very, very inspiring for sure. It's touching. Makes you think. We'll include uh, a link to that uh, on this as well when we, when we send it out so that uh, everyone can, can definitely take a look and, uh, and be inspired. Absolutely. Cindy, thank you again for being on the program. Laurie, we'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks. That's all for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Laurie and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Laurie Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.